Jeff Burnham, and we're coming to you from Frankenstein's Monkey Farm to talk about what movie today? The Thing from Another World. That's right. What year was this released? Nine hundred and one, I think. Nine hundred and one? No, that's <laughs> that's a bit that's a bit long ago. Uh, nineteen fifty-one. Oh. Yeah, nine hundred and one. We didn't exactly have movies. Oh. I know. Can you imagine such a time? A time without movies? I know. That is crazy. What would we do? Watch shows, music. <laughs> don't know. <laughs> no, there was no TVs or anything like that. You could oh. listen to music, but people had to play it, like, on an instrument for you. We didn't have mass media then. There was no TV, oh. no radio, no movies, nothing like that. That's crazy. Now, this is... The original, The Thing from Another World, not to be confused with 1982's The Thing. Yeah, because they're both different monsters. Yeah, very different movies. Yeah, and the monsters both look different. One looks like a man and he's a super carrot. The other one is like a crazy thing. I don't know. I don't know what to explain. How yeah, to explain well, I, we should also explain that you haven't seen John Carpenter's The Thing. Yeah. That's important. Yeah. Because that movie you cannot watch for some years yet. Yeah, yeah. So you haven't seen the remake, John Carpenter's remake, because you you do definitely have some years before that. But you have seen The Thing from Another World. Yeah. It's like an alien super carrot thing. Super carrot? Yeah. Whoa. And what do you do with carrots? What? Boil them. Boiled them, yeah. Is that what they do? Like boiling, they put him on fire. <laughs> that they do, that they do. But we're getting a little bit ahead here, huh? Mm-hmm. We're already to burning him? Holy cow. In true cadavercast form, we're skipping a whole bunch of the movie, getting right to the cool monster stuff. So what do you have to say, Alistair, about the thing from another world? It's, to my mind, a classic horror film, one that... A lot of people talk about as being kind of goofy nowadays because the monster isn't exactly the most monstrous of monsters. Yeah. But they just say, I, I think it's pretty spooky in parts and yeah. pretty cool. They say it's a man because it has hands, a head, arms, legs, feet, but it has like spikes on its hands. It's a really cool. Yeah, it's what we would call humanoid. Yeah. Because it's got human-like features. As you say, it's got a head and it's got arms and hands and body. The basic human shape. It's just got kind of a lumpy forehead and prickly fingers. Kind of like that. Like, it's it's really cool. It's like an alien thing. Yeah, he's he's an alien, absolutely. Alien super carrot thing. Well, before we get too deep into this super carrot territory... (laughs) 
I think the the important thing to recognize here, first of all, if you have seen John Carpenter's The Thing, this is a very different movie. And yeah. when we talk about the monster, it functions very differently from The Thing and John Carpenter's The Thing. Mm-hmm. And Alistair, I'll tell you a little bit more about John Carpenter's The Thing later in the podcast so you can hear yeah. the differences at least. Because you can't watch the movie for a number of years yet, oh, but oh. no, 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 it's it's way too... Way too, well, not spooky necessarily, really gory. It's got a lot of gore in it. But the thing from Another World is, by contrast, super tame. And the monster functions very differently. It is, as Alistair points out, some kind of super carrot from space. Yeah. A Dracula super carrot alien thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Alien, carrot, Dracula. All of the important features of a monster. All together. All together. Like a monster salad. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> and and which is good because part of it's a vegetable, so Yeah, you're you right. You know, I mean what's what's a salad without the vegetables? <laughs> yeah. What's a salad without vegetables? <laughs> you can't have a salad without vegetables. <laughs> well, I, mean, I guess that's probably not true. There are definitely salads things called salads without vegetables, but but yeah, we need it for the uh, the vitamins, right? So if we're gonna yeah, if yeah. we're gonna eat a monster salad, yeah, you have to have. It's got to have vegetables. Carrot. Yeah, yeah, carrots. <laughs> so we start off, and it's a snowy day. Uh huh. Do you remember where they are in the beginning? No. They're in Alaska. Alaska. It's snowing in Alaska, and they go to the shop. I mean, not a shop, like a business thing, like business. It's a military a base, military. and they're in like a sort of a mess hall, I think, at first, if I remember correctly. You'll have to forgive us a little bit here, because Al watched the movie this morning, but we'd actually watched it together like a week ago, Yeah. because we were going to record a week ago, but we had to go to a funeral, we didn't get this episode recorded, so yeah. I only watched part of it with Al this morning, which did not include the beginning, <laughs> so... Relying on you here, Al. So, this newspaper man goes into the, whatever. The military base. Yeah, the military base. It's an Air Force base, I do believe. Yeah, 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 it is. And uh, he's a newspaper man. And they're, like, playing cards? Uh, I don't know. But they're playing a game. <laughs> I think you're getting maybe a little too much into the minutia of these scenes. Just what happens in that early part of the movie? What do we learn? They're going to the Arctic with not a Santa. A non-Santa Arctic. Yeah, they're going up to the North Pole. Yeah. Yeah, but, but there's, but there's, as Al points out. Santa North Pole. Yeah, there's, there's no Santa there. And that was your first question when they, were, they went up to the North Pole. You know, was like, oh no, they're going to be monsters and Santa Claus? But no, no, there's no Santa at this North Pole. It's a non-Santa North Pole. Yeah, yeah. This movie version is sans Santa. Non-Santa. Isn't that funny? No Santa? I know. What kind of North Pole doesn't have Santa Claus? (laughs) I know. Is that weird? That is very weird. I know. You can't have a North Pole without Santa. Well, I think if Santa was there, it might have made the problem of the thing a little too easy to solve because 
you know, Santa's got magic and stuff. He's got flying reindeer and whatnot. So, I mean, if the thing showed up, Santa could theoretically just use magic and stop him, you know? Yeah, yeah. So that would make it easy. So, it's you know, it's just people at this North Pole. Yeah, and, like, point out this is really weird. They go outside a lot, but it is really cool because they're searching for the monster, too. Uh-huh. But they go to the North Pole, like, there's the scientist here. And, like, there's a meteor that isn't a meteor. Because it goes straight up, down, and evaporates. Whoa. Because meteors don't change its path. Uh-huh, exactly. Like you said. Yeah, well, like they say in the movie. Yeah, meteors don't change their path. But... So something's wrong with this yeah. meteor up at the North Pole, which is why the military sends... Our Captain Patrick Hendry up to the North Pole to investigate. And it's a flying saucer. And the saucer has an alien in it. Whoa. Basically. Basically, yeah. They call it a flying saucer. That's weird because it flies. And that's weird because you don't have to call it a flying saucer. Or maybe, yeah, you have to. (laughs) You have to? Yeah. Mandatory? Or if you want to, I guess. What else would we call it if not a flying saucer? An alien ship. <laughs> sure, a spaceship. Yeah. Yeah, a spaceship. An alien spaceship. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah it's like round. It's round. The round. Like a saucer. Yeah, like a saucer. Uh huh. <laughs> and they see that the alien came out of the ship, so it's like somewhere else, but not in the ship. And what happened to it when it came out of the ship, though? It got freezed by ice. Yeah, it got frozen in the ice because its ship... Do you remember what happened when its ship landed? Mm. They only talk about it. They we don't see ab- it. Yeah. Yeah, they talk about it for a little bit. We yeah. don't get to see the saucer, but it's giant. Yeah, we see it under the ice, and it's it's really big. Absolutely. No, yeah. Like, they search for it, and they look how giant... It's so giant. It's a big saucer. Well, what happened was mm-hmm. the jets, like the engines of the flying saucer, mm-hmm. were so hot that it melted the ice as it landed. And so mm-hmm. it sank right into the ice because it melted it, turned it into water, sank, and then the thing climbed out of the ship and was then in water, which it... froze before it could get away. Yeah, but they cut it out. Mm-hmm. And the, the soldiers did, yeah, and, yeah, the, and soldiers. the scientists. Yeah, mm-hmm. They cut it out, and they went to the, what, whatever it's called, I don't know. It's the station. Yeah, they the have station. The, they have the station at the North yeah. Pole. Mm-hmm. And they don't want it to get cold, so they break a window. Right, Break yeah. part of a window. And, why, and so they don't want it to warm up, you mean? Yeah. And why would he want it to stay cold, though? Because what they do, and, and what you're describing the, here... yeah is um, that they cut the alien, the thing, they cut it out of the ice, but they keep it in a giant block of ice. It's basically an alien ice cube. Yeah, by then. By then it's basically ice cube, but later into the movie, no, it isn't. (laughs) Sure, because, I mean, you know, if it just stayed in an ice cube, we wouldn't have a movie. Yeah, you're right. We wouldn't have the thing from another world if it stayed in an ice block. That would be weird. Yeah, it would be the ice cube from another world. Yeah, the ice cube from one 
would. And it wouldn't be a movie at all. They're just talking about that. That wouldn't be a very good movie. That would <laughs> just be talking and looking at it. No. But they have to have a movie. <laughs> it is weird. It is very weird. You've got your standards, and I appreciate that. Okay. They... It's it's in the ice cube. Yeah, right? it's in the ice cube. Uh-huh, but then you indicated that it doesn't stay in the ice cube. Yeah. I think that's an important place to go I... here because they want it to stay in the ice cube, or at least Hendry, Captain Hendry wants it to stay in the ice cube, but who doesn't? The scientist. He says, let's melt it or chip it. The guy says, I'm afraid we're not going to melt it or chip it. Mm-hmm. So why would the scientist want the thing out of the ice block? When they talk about it, he says, we talk to it. So what you are getting at here, I think, is that the scientists want to learn from it. Yeah, but it's not a good idea. Not a good idea? Yeah, because there's like this room that's called the greenhouse. Yeah, well, a greenhouse is where you grow plants. Yeah. But there's like this cage with a sled dog. Yeah, you're getting ahead again. You're getting ahead. But yes, it's not a good idea because the scientists, they think either one, if it's dead, they can like dissect it and learn from its body. Right. Or two, if it's still alive, they could maybe talk to it because clearly it's smart enough to fly a spaceship. Yeah, you're right. Because it flies a spaceship into a meteor thing. Isn't that weird? That is weird, yeah. So they think maybe it may be intelligent and that they could learn something from it. Yeah. But Hendry doesn't want to. Why do you think Captain Hendry doesn't want to let it out of the ice? Because it's an alien and a monster, but also it's funny because it's a super carrot. Yeah, well, they learn that later. Yeah, yeah, later. But basically, yeah, it's, it's from another world. Right? Yeah. So, Hendry doesn't know what it is, and with their limited resources at the North Pole, why risk letting it out? Yeah, yeah. Where were we in the movie? He's in the ice cube. Mm, yeah, you're right. He's in the ice cube. Um. So, how does it get from the ice cube to the greenhouse? Because this guy puts a electric blanket that... Melts the ice, yeah. Yes. Because, and I don't think he realizes that it's an electric blanket. Because he doesn't see the thing. He doesn't notice it's plugged in because the guy who was guarding the alien ice cube before him was using an electric blanket to stay warm. This guy's wearing an electric flight suit, basically. Like, it's a suit that has sort of warming elements inside of it. Yeah. And so he doesn't need the electric blanket, doesn't realize it's an electric blanket, and throws it on top of... The thing. Yeah. And, like, he's, like, turning his head, and, like, he shoots it so many times, and runs, but, no, he isn't dead. He's, like, so freaked out, and they throw water in his face. Oh, the soldier. The soldier. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The soldier sees the thing, and, yeah, he shoots it a bunch of times. It doesn't have any effect. We don't see it at this point. We don't see the thing. No, until later. Not until later. So we just see the look on the soldier's face. He's freaked out, like you say. And he's so freaked out that when he runs to tell Captain Hendry, he's completely unintelligible. He's rambling. He's raving. 
And so, yeah, you're right. They throw water in his face to calm him down. Yeah. So next time, maybe, you know, if you end up upset about something, if you ever... If you ever happen to throw some kind of fit again, maybe I'll just throw water in your face, see no. if that works. <laughs> Punch you. Oh, you will, will you? Of course, Dad. Oh, I guess I'll have to watch out then. So, it gets out, but what happens then? He fights the dogs. Yeah, he, he fights the dogs. the dogs. Yeah, he fights dogs. He kills a couple of the dogs. No, two, just two. Yeah, two of and the dogs. one of the dogs, I think, two or one, but they take off his arm. Yeah, like a, in the fight, he loses an arm. Like I said, the arm can move without it attaching. And we learned that later, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, that the arm comes off really easily, mm-hmm. actually. But that kind of doesn't matter because the arm is it's, its own kind of life form, really. Yeah, Every it's like, cell of it is sort of independent. It's like moving weird. It's like it's saying something that's really weird. Yeah. What does he do to the dogs, though? Do you remember that? What do we see him doing outside? Fighting them. He's fighting them. He lifts one up over his head and, like, power slams this thing into the ground. It's gnarly, man. Yeah. Picks the dog up and, like, power slams it, basically. Yeah. It's cool. It's cool, but it's not It's not good for the dogs. No. You wouldn't want to do that to a real dog. Because when we watched it, what we recognized was that it was clearly... Like, a stuffed dog. It was a dummy dog. Yeah, a dummy dog. Yeah, it wasn't a real dog. Yeah, Yeah. no. If it was a real dog, we wouldn't have said it was cool at all. You don't do that to a real dog. But in a movie, if a monster does that to a dummy dog, it looks pretty neat. If you do it to a real dog, it's that monster. You go to jail, frankly. (laughs) I mean, that's that's abusing an animal. You don't do that. But if that was a real dog, those dogs would just wreck that monster. But it was a dummy dog. It had yeah. stuffing in it. It was a dummy dog. Yeah. So they wouldn't do it. Because it was a dummy dog. Yeah. So the arm is alive, you say? Yeah. The arm is still alive. And what do we learn during that scene when they're talking about the arm? That it's a super carrot. Mm-hmm. That's when we learn that it's a super carrot. And that it also needs blood. Yeah, you're right. So it is, like you said, some kind of cross between a Dracula... An alien and a, a super carrot. Yeah. yeah, a super carrot thing. <laughs> that also yeah. wears a black jumpsuit and a belt. Yeah, yeah. Which is it's pretty really funny. Weird. Like it, yeah. it is. It wears. It's a clothes. funny monster, and it it's a weird and funny. It's really cool. Not yeah, it's cool. cool. It's funny. It's funny. I would say it's cool. It's I, cool. I would agree with that. It's funny. It's weird all together. Because it's, it's huge. Yeah, and it's huge. It's really, really big, and they yeah. say it's eight feet tall. It's not actually eight feet tall when they encounter it, but they say that it's eight feet tall. It looks, because it's just so tall. Yeah, it's big. It's yeah, a big it's, one. It's really It's kind big. of like a Frankenstein monster. Yeah. I don't know if you thought that. I was thinking that this morning, that it's got this Frankenstein monster quality to it. Yeah, it has knees, but it walks really slow. Yeah. It's, and it's got the, the big forehead. Yeah. Yeah, he's like basically slouching like a little bit, I guess. Sure, sure. Yeah, he kind of hunkers over and he and he wobbles. Al's demonstrating. You can't see it, obviously, no, but no. But he does do it. He like wobbles a little. Yeah, but we don't see him all that much. No, we don't. When do the we first, first see him? When the, he's fighting the dogs. Uh huh. And he's still even there. We don't really see him, right? He's off in the distance. He's obscured in the snow. Mm-hmm. 
so we still don't see him. All he is is this big shape fighting the dogs. That's kind of spooky. Like a shape monster thing? Yeah, but it isn't the shape when they see the whole thing. Yeah, it's not just some kind of shadow, but that's kind of what adds to the spookiness of the movie early on, is we don't see it for a while, and even when we do, it's off in the distance, and there's a blizzard happening at the North Pole. Which is, by the way, and I don't know if we talked about this, maybe we did uh, when we watched it the first time together, but most of the stuff that they film outside is on a movie set. So they had to construct this North Pole set, and yeah, they're blowing right. snow along with, like, fans and stuff. It's yeah, really impressive. Did. Yeah, you say that. Well, then maybe our listeners will care. When do we see him for the first time clearly? Like, when he's in the greenhouse. Uh-huh. And what happens? They. This is one of, I think, the best scenes in the movie. Yeah, it's really cool. They make, they like, black off the door. They make, like, a wood arrow. On it, like, it's cool. Well, yeah, they barricade it, but why do they barricade it? Why do they barricade the door? Because You're missing something. They went up to that door before they barricaded it, and there was a very good reason they put that barricade up. He was standing at the door waiting for them. Who was? The monster. And I think it, like, knew they were coming. It was really Yeah, it was, like, right at the door. That's a good point. Why was it standing so close to the door? That's a really good point, because it was basically like half an inch from the door. I guess I never thought about that, why it was standing there so weird. But, it's so weird. It's kind of like I knew it was knew they were coming from the... From like the it, hallway? Yeah. yeah it, it was really funny. It's yeah, because like they open the door, and he's standing right there, and it's a like legit jump scare. You know, because it's just right there. They're going to go in, and they're like, let's get ready, man. We're gonna, we may have to fight this thing. And they open the door. And that dude is right in their face. It's, it's, it's two inches from the door. Yeah, and it's like right there. And it's, it's startling. You know, you don't expect it. No. Like, it's crazy. And what does he do? As soon as the thing sees them, what does it do? It, like, kind of tries to, like, knock them over. Yeah. Has, he's really strong because he's a super carrot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He tries to knock them over. He swings at them like backhands at them, and the back of his hand has those, um, like the thorns, basically, like rose thorns, but like big weaponized rose thorns. And he swings at them, and so then they like close the door on his arm. You remember that? Yeah, yeah. Like, like ah. Yeah. Like, Like kind of like that. It's really cool. Yeah, and then he pulls his arm in. And his thorns catch part of the door. It catches part of the door frame and just shreds the wood. Yeah. Shreds the wood. It's cool. You can even see the shreds. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, the chunks go flying. Yeah. And then they barricade him in and... He comes out. He does. He leaves. He goes outside. No. I think that was before. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, we skipped over a whole bunch of stuff. That's a good point. Yeah, we skipped a bunch of stuff. Wow. Wow. Because we skipped all of the stuff with the scientists in the greenhouse. The scientists basically realized that the thing from another world was in the greenhouse. And and they say it's going to come back. Yeah, and, and then they kind of split up. And then it comes in and it kills two of them, which we don't see. We hear about it. Basically, the thing takes these two guys, the two guys he kills. And do you remember what he does with them? I don't know if that made sense to you, what they talked about. What did they do? 
it was creating new things in the greenhouse. And those things need what to grow? Blood. Yeah, and so it killed the two scientists and was using their blood to grow new things. Like, it killed one of the scientists we saw. Yeah, yeah, but there are two that were killed that we didn't see it kill. Mm-hmm. And those ones he was using to grow new versions of himself, basically. Yeah. And so the threat here is not just there's one monster on this world, but this one monster can create a whole army of other monsters, of other alien super carrot Draculas that could take over the world. Yeah, that's what they hear. They say that. Yeah, when it's when they say it's a super carrot, they mean it's a super carrot. Yeah, it could take over the world, kind of super levels of carrotiness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't destroy the world without a super carrot. <laughs> oh, really? Because it's called super carrot, and it's a carrot, and it has super power. Because it's a super carrot. Well, all that makes sense to me. <laughs> I bet so. <laughs> well, I think in terms of the monster parts, this brings us up to what is easily my favorite scene in the movie, which is when, like you mentioned in the beginning of the show, they put it on fire. Yeah, they put it on fire. And like this guy has this camera-looking thing. Not the not the guy that's the newspaper guy. It's a different guy. Like he has this thing. Uh, the Geiger counter. Yeah. Yeah. What that does is it measures radiation, and the alien is basically like irradiated, and they watch the the blinking, and that's why you say it looks like a camera because it flashes. And the quicker it flashes, the closer the thing gets. And they're all in kind of the barracks area where they sleep. And the thing starts going off, the, the, you know, the flashing. And they realize that it's left the greenhouse and it's coming for them. Mm -hmm. But fortunately, thanks to, I think her name is Nikki? Yeah, Nikki. Yeah, Nikki said... You know, the way to stop a carrot, like, what do you do to a carrot? You you boil, boil it. it. You know, you boil it. You cook it. You bake it. Whatever. He said it. Yeah. And they put it on fire. He, like, jumps into the snow and runs away. Yeah, that's a that's a cool scene. That's one of the yeah. best scenes he in the said- movie. Because they shut the lights off so that it won't see them. But then what that means is when it comes in from basically, like, the hallway, mm-hmm. when it breaks into the room, it's backlit. So we still don't, so we, we've seen the front of the creature clearly, but even after we've seen it, they still kind of hide it in shadows a little bit to make it ominous. And it walks into the room, and what do they do? They put it on fire. They, like, put it on fire so much, it kind of looks like the face looks like a, like the mommy face. Oh, it's sure, like, sure. Yeah, like, because they've got the, they've got the, either uh, James Arness who played the thing or a stunt double is clearly wearing like a big thing head clearly like he's wrapped up in a giant suit but they throw kerosene on him and the whole room goes up oh yeah they have to put fire it's so lit up they have to put fire extinguishers on it it's crazy crazy and like it's on fire and it doesn't immediately run away you made it sound like it immediately runs away it's yeah. on fire, and it's fighting them. 
Yeah. Like, it starts swinging at them. And for some reason, they've got Nikki in the room. And, like, instead of telling her, like, go away because all of them had guns and could fight or whatever, and she's just got a pot of coffee, you know, instead of telling her, like, you know, you don't have a weapon, maybe you should go. They have her stand in the corner with a little mattress. They give her a mattress, and she's, like, holding a mattress for one of these cots. And, like, that's it. That's all the protection she has is this mattress. And the thing is lit on fire, and it starts punching and swinging, and it punches the mattress. And it, like, shreds the mattress, lights it on fire. And then one of the other dudes throws a bucket of kerosene on the thing right next to Nikki and lights her on fire, too. I mean, she's behind the mattress, and we don't see her running around on fire, but clearly, they lit her up. Everything in this room is on fire. Yeah. It's epic. I If you watch the movie for no other reason, you know, like, one, you might watch it because you want to know, you know, how it compares to John Carpenter's The Thing. Yeah, it doesn't. Well, you don't know that. You yeah, haven't seen no. John Carpenter's The Thing, but it doesn't. No, it's very different. Two very, very different movies. Um, but the other reason to watch it is really... For this scene alone. I think it's super cool. And it's really short, but it's really, really cool looking. But the like, way they shot it is amazing. Yeah. They start and it kills it. And it runs and it trips into the snow. And it runs away. Yeah, it jumps it out the window fire. into the snow. Yes. Yeah. And it's still on fire, so it runs away. It's cool. And, like, they turn the lights back on. They get the mattress off Nikki. Or mm-hmm. whatever it's like. Yeah. Nikki. Yeah, and then they and then they like you said have to bring in fire extinguishers because the whole darn room is on fire. Yeah, it's like For crazy. Oh, yeah, I thought crazy. you were gonna say crazy. You went to say something else. <laughs> Bad. What? You are just so silly. Oh, I am. I must get it from you. Duh, no. <laughs> it's from you, not me. You. You silly face! Ah, oh, you got me. You got me. I got you this time. <laughs> so, after this point, then, they're just trying to figure out how to finally stop it. Like, they know they can fend it off with fire. They know it doesn't like fire. But they're just trying to keep themselves safe until they can get reinforcements when the thing shuts off the heat. Yeah. And they so need dry. the heat because where do they live? In the Arctic Sea. In the, no. uh, at the in North the Ar- Pole. Yeah. <laughs> Why do you keep calling it Arctic? Well, like the Arctic Circle. You know, yeah. yeah, but they live specifically at the North Pole. It's, it's, it's cold. Cold. And it's snowy. And there's nobody cold. else living there. Mm-hmm. And so now they have to finish it off. Yeah. Right? And they go and they set up in the electric generator room, which is the only place where they can possibly still get heat with, like, electric blankets. Yeah, you blankets. skipped a lot of things. I know. I'm getting through this stuff fast because there's a lot, a lot of talking, a lot of planning, right? Yeah. I want to get us to the and end the planning here. is cool. The planning is really smart because the characters are all yeah. really likable. But this weird part, it's like another guy that isn't the main character that acts like the main character because he has, like, <laughs> so all the ideas. Yeah, there's. we were commenting on it watching it this morning. There's this young guy who's kind of like Hendry's assistant or whatever. I don't even I don't even remember catching his name. I looked at I tried to look it up here just a second ago and I couldn't I couldn't figure it out which character he was. But he's this young dude who's always hanging around and every time somebody says something, he goes, Oh hey, what about we do this? And he's always right. 
Why that guy wasn't the main character, I don't know. He's the guy who goes, let's get some kerosene. He's the guy who has the idea to, like, basically set up the whole system to electrocute it. He has all of the ideas. Hendry just stands around going, yeah, that's a good one. I'll take credit for that idea. Yeah. Why didn't you make that guy the main character? That's weird. Yeah. I mean, if, you know, if you could go back in time, man, you could change it, but... Why we're stuck you... with him. We're stuck with Hendry walking around going, I don't know. Okay, let's do what that young guy says. Why didn't you put the young guy the main character? It's weird. It's like yeah, Charles Letterer, Leaderer, who wrote the script. Why? Why? He has like all the ideas to electrocute it, turn the lights off. It is crazy. Put crazy. It, put it on fire. Mm. So they've got, like I said, they set up this electric current sort of generator area. Basically, they line the hallway with, like, metal, uh, like, wiring and stuff to sort of shoot electricity between all the, like, the cables or something. I I didn't fully understand exactly what they're doing, but it makes sense when you see it because they get the thing in the room, right? They get the thing in the hallway. It's finally the final standoff. And they, like wire it and on the wall and hammer it to the wall. It's cool. It comes from up. It comes from left, right, up. It comes from, like, the roof, I guess. Zaps its head, its hand. So it shoots electricity. Yeah. Well, only one character dies during the final showdown. Only one of our human characters dies. Do you remember who that is? The scientist. Yeah. yeah. Why and how does he die? Because... He tries to talk to it in those horns. <laughs> I was taking a drink. I don't remember the part where he punched the scientist and it made a fart noise. <laughs> <laughs> almost spit my drink here on the microphone, you goof. Oh my gosh. But yes, the scientist tries to talk to it because he thinks, he still thinks... That the thing is wiser and nice. Even though earlier in the movie he admitted that the thing only sees them as like cattle. That's how the thing looks at humans because humans have blood and it needs blood so it doesn't really care about us. It looks at us like, you know, like a field of cabbage, he says. And field of cabbage? Like, like humans look at a field of cabbage, not as living beings but as food. And that's how the thing looks at us. And even still, in the end, he's like, hey, let's be friends. And then, like you said, uh, whammo, fart noise. He's, <laughs> he's dead, punched with a bunch of spikes to the face. Whammo, fart noise. <laughs> but he's the only one who dies. And then they electrocute the thing. And it's actually really cool. Like, even though it's maybe a bit it's anticlimactic purple. because they don't it's necessarily purple. fight. I guess. Know. It's purple? The movie's in black and white. What are you talking about? It's purple. <laughs> You goofball. You're right. It is black Yeah, it's black and white. Just like you insisted the the thing was green. But on the cover of the DVD we have, yeah, he's green. But, yeah. The movie's in black and white. So he's black. Well, no, I mean, he's like a gray. Like like everybody else in the movie, they're they're grays. Like... But not like aliens, like the grays, like the big-headed gray aliens. Why did you say grays? Because they are. They're shades of gray. You're right, then. But that's a type of alien, dude. I know, Why I know. Why did you call them that? It's confusing with the different aliens in here. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So they zap him, maybe anticlimactically. 
He's yeah. done, right? Yeah. What happens to him when they zap him, though? Like, he gets smaller and smaller, all the way to just a ball about in the teacher. So, so yeah, it shrinks, and all you see is, like, basically a little a little ball of an alien and, like, his clothes. Yeah, yeah. And, like, his belt and shirt and stuff. And he just shrinks and shrinks and shrinks, and he's gone. Yeah, weird. And is there anything after the thing's death that you want to talk about? No. Well, I kind of figured as much. Uh, it's, you know, you just get the last little bit with the characters, Henry and Nikki, you know, agree to get married or whatever, and then the reporter gets his story out. He says, like, keep searching the skies. Yeah, the movie ends with him saying, keep watching the skies. Yeah. Ominous. Ominous. Like a human way ominous thing. A human way ominous thing? Yes, that's what I said. Uh, that makes sense. So, boy, I guess that covers it, huh? Yep. That's pretty thorough. Anything else you want to say about the movie mm. before we get into our other segments? Would you recommend it? Of course, yes, yes. Well, why would you recommend it? Why should our listeners watch it? Well, it makes science, but I, this is not why, but this is a very bad thing that they Oh, okay, movie. so this is not why you're recommending it. This was something that we did talk about yeah, but that is I, a problem. I would still recommend the movie, but... It makes science look bad. Yeah, it does, because the scientists seem downright unreasonable by comparison to the soldiers. You know, they want to keep trying to talk to the thing, and they want to experiment with the thing, even though people are dying. And it makes them look really bad, and the scientist himself is dressed like a villain. He's got, like, the, he's got, like, a goatee, like a devilish goatee and stuff, and... It does. It makes science look really bad. It's it's like scientists bad, soldiers good, and the end of the movie basically confirms that when the only person to die in the climax is the scientist. Yeah. So, yeah, if I have any problem with the movie, it is definitely that. Yeah. Because science is a good thing. Science is how we understand the world around us. Yeah, but you know? it makes science look bad. Yeah, so it does have that one downside, but overall, I too would recommend it. Cool monster stuff. Yeah. It's a quick watch. I think the movie is, uh, let me grab the DVD here, 87 minutes long. It is a quick watch. Not bad. Yeah. So, let's quickly do Beastly Best and Get Spooked, because I want to do something a little different here. Um, and I think we've talked about our beastly best and get spooked moments, so I want to do something a little bit extra here at the end of the show. Um, my beastly best is the fire scene, when they light the whole room on fire. Yeah, yeah, to me, that's the best. That's mine, too. Told you it was going to be quick. Get spooked? What's the spookiest monster moment in this movie for you? This one is stuck on my head. Like, the sled dog with no blood. Like, freaks me out immediately as it comes out. Yeah, we didn't talk about that. Yeah, when the the scientists are in the greenhouse, they open up this box, and what falls out? A sled dog. It's stuck in my head. Yeah, that's a freaky shot. Yeah, because they're thinking the thing is going to be in there or something, and when they open it up, a bloodless sled dog falls out. Yeah. Yeah. Good call, dude. That is spooky. That's 
That's one of the two jump scares in the movie. The other one is when they open the door and the thing is standing right behind the door. So I'll give that one my get spooked vote when they open the door just so that we have both of the jump scares covered. Yeah, right. That is true. (laughs) Well, here's what I'm thinking. Mm -hmm. Told you we'd get those done quickly. Mm -hmm. I have in my hand here Alistair's copy of A Field Guide to Monsters by Dave Elliott. I got this for you for... Christmas. Uh Uh-huh, because I figured we could use it on the podcast. And now the time has come to make our first use of it. Yep. So, on page 84 of A Field Guide to Monsters, Mm -hmm. we have an entry on The Thing. Mm Mm-hmm. But this isn't the thing from another world. This is John Carpenter's The Thing. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read you this entry. And it's a few sentences long, the description Mm -hmm. of The Thing. And I want you to think about how different this thing is from The Thing from Another World. And then tell me what you think the differences are. Yeah. So The Thing, an alien life form. The Thing is a shape-changing monster that can assume the identity of anything that it kills. Can assume the identity. That it can take over, basically, the body. It can make itself look like anything that it kills. Oh, like a different movie. Like what movie? You said a movie, but I don't remember the name. You said it makes the body, it makes that monster look like you and make you get killed. Remember? Oh, like Body Snatchers? Yeah. Oh, good call. Yeah, that's a very Body Snatchers kind of a thing. What's interesting uh-huh. about that, and we're all, and we're just one sentence into this description. What's interesting, and I think you already get the the difference, right? I mean, the big difference is the way the thing operates, because both movies take place very, very cold places, out in the middle of nowhere, in these bases. Uh, but the difference is, the thing from another world is a plant monster that's creating a plant monster army. The Thing, from John Carpenter's The Thing, can take over our bodies and assume our identities. Which is interesting because you pointed out that it's like body snatchers, and body snatchers are plant monsters. So really you have The Thing from Another World, then you have The Thing, and between them, body snatchers. That is a great observation, my little man. Thanks. Because the body snatchers are plant monsters. Yeah, absolutely. Good call. And they also can... I'm glad we did this. And they can also look like the thing, just like the thing. Let me see if I can find a section on body snatchers here. Yeah, oh, here we go. Pods. They're not called body snatchers. It's just called pods in here. Pods, these bizarre interstellar travelers came to Earth with the thought of not so much taking over, but fitting in. They have attempted numerous times to replace the human race with their own hive mind replicates. They assume the identity of any person that is physically near enough. Bam! Nailed it! That you did, man. Plant monster? Basically, like, the, the same of the thing and the thing from another world. It's basically those both things together. Good eye, man. You're figuring out this monster stuff real quick. This is why you host Monster Stampede and not yeah, me. because I can remember movies. When you talk about other movies, I remember other movies. Even if you haven't seen them, because yeah. you haven't seen Body Snatchers, even. And I even have seen the thing from another world. 
You've seen The Thing from Another World. You haven't seen John Carpenter's The Thing. Yeah, I haven't seen both of those. You just retain it all. Any little bit I tell you about monsters, you remember everything. I remember every monster movie. Mind like a steel trap. Well, my little Mm -hmm. steel trap-minded child here, (laughs) do you have anything else to say before we move into the end game here? Really? Actually, no. No? Well, we got a quick announcement here to make at the end of the episode, Mm -hmm. now that we're wrapping up. If you are interested in supporting this podcast, you can go over to what website? Patreon.com Slash Slash Word Salad That's right, Patreon.com slash Word Salad. That supports our podcast. Anything we bring in does either get put towards the podcast itself or into a fund for Alistair's college. Yes. If you value what we do here, um, giving any little bit helps, you know. If anything helps. Anything. Every little bit helps. And we've got some exciting news today because we have a couple of shows now that are Patreon-exclusive shows. One is called Blockbuster Autopsy, and that is our uh, Word Salad Network head Joe Sanders Patreon-exclusive show where he and his pal take on these blockbuster movies, break them down, try to figure out what's wrong with them, why they failed, and they currently have an episode up that is close to Cadavercast that is on Alien Covenant. We also have... The first episode of a Patreon-exclusive show called List of Shame that's basically a game show where our pal Andrew Kropel has never seen a movie and he guesses what the movie's about based on, like, cultural osmosis. Then they go watch the movie, come back, and discuss. Kind of a game show sort of format. Pretty cool stuff. And so that's going on on Patreon. Big stuff. Over the summer, we're also going to be posting Patreon-exclusive episodes, so if you want access to that, got to be a patron they'll never be anywhere but on patreon so if you want to become a patron like our amazing patrons jennifer kropel christina van hoy chris bieberstein john stahl troy anthony and of course superfan jennifer hicks yep head on over to patreon.com slash word salad get cool content help out we few folk who just love podcasting for you yeah anything else to say alistair yes oh okay what do you got to say? Anything helps. Oh, okay. Yeah, absolutely. Every little bit helps. If you want to stay informed about what we're doing here at CadaverCast, follow us on social media. We are on Twitter, and this is where we're most active, at Cadaver underscore cast. Yep. You can also find us on Facebook at CadaverCast. That's one word. And if you have any questions, comments, if you want to... Heck, if you want to tell us what you think about these movies, you can do this on Twitter, Facebook, or send us an email at cadavercast at gmail.com. And that, too, is cadavercast, one word. And also, it would be a really big help if you listen to our show, you enjoy our show, if you give us some kind of ratings and reviews, especially on iTunes. That helps us out immensely. Whatever rating you think we deserve. We're not begging for five-star ratings. Tell us what you think. Give us whatever stars you think we have earned and uh, it helps that helps us actually get our podcast out there the more positive ratings we have the more we get noticed and right now we have a couple of reviews on there which are very nice and so we really appreciate anybody who's posted reviews so thank you for that 
and Alistair. This, to me, signifies uh, the ending of the show. So why don't you, little man, sign us out? You've been listening to CadaverCast. I'm Mel Burnham. And I'm his dad, Jeff Burnham. And we want to thank you for listening. That's right. Thanks. We love you. <laughs> that we do. You can't destroy the world without a super carrot. Ah!